didn't notice much when, uh, and I'm going to actually use my laptop because I, I even have to have the words in front of me still, uh, still down there with that. So, what are we doing this every moment fully, and uh, why do we ask to do a series about this? For me, this is probably the biggest growth point that's happened uh, in the last few years. Because I, I grew up, and I've talked about this before at uh, different times, but I've grown up where um, I, was, I was told that I was going to uh, go to, <laughs> to grad school and learn all this stuff and pass the law. And that I was going to go and teach and preach and, and things like that. And uh, I started learning more and more and more and more, and that's how I encountered God. It was the more that I knew, the more that I knew God. And, and so I felt like I knew God pretty well. And then school happens and little fractures happen and you start realizing that that's not enough and this is something that Jenna has taught me more than anything and uh, it's I'm so thankful to be able to do this with y'all on a morning where we're celebrating this beautiful holy moment of, of Leanne uh, and to be able to celebrate that uh, with for them uh, but there are so many other moments throughout the week too we want to talk about those so so the first thing, when I was six, uh, I didn't have a, a lot of new toys. I was young to have six, and so uh, most of mine were passed along from my brothers and sisters, and they kept them immaculate, so I was not complaining, I did not. Uh, but my parents were really excited one Christmas to be able to bring me uh, some presents, specifically, the Batman Batmobile that shot the missile out of the front, and the toy of the year, which was the Jingle All the Way Turbo Man action figure. <laughs> they were really stoked to, to, to get this for me, and they uh, were waiting for me to open up the present, and, uh, and I opened it, and I played with them, and it was great. Uh, but then my sister, who is about four years older than me, realized she could not afford to get me a present, so she went into our garage, she found a two by four painted black, and uh, like a tipsy toddler painted these yellow lines just uh, swerving all over the place. And she presented it to me and said, I made you a road. And I loved it. I tossed aside the other two presents and this became my go-to uh, toy for years to come. I was, I was so drawn into the possibilities uh, that you could, you could do it uh, one way where I would put them in between a, a desk and a chair and make a chasm and my cars would drive over it like a, like a Grand Canyon. Uh, or I would, I would do it where it was uh, off to an angle and the, the cars would speed down and make them crash and, and all kinds of things. This was my favorite toy. I thought this was everything because of the possibilities. Now, you know, Batmobile, you, you know, you can drive it and shoot the missile, you can do your thing. But, uh, but a two by four, man, that is everything. And see, as a kid, you're so full of wonder. But life has this way of kind of draining you of that imagination. The wonder and the awe, it drains it out of us. You pour your time, your energy, your, your money into something, and it, and it might not go the way that you wanted. You lose something, you lose someone, and a small layer of Something happens again, you roll your eyes a little more than you did before. Ever so gradually, your 
learns full prostate test more often. You become a little bit more of a spectator to the wonders of life. And it doesn't even have to be anything big. I watched myself as I, as I changed from this joyous kid yesterday uh, in, in the period of one hour to the biggest cynic that there ever was. Um, of course, talking about during the game. And I went into the room when I found it. But I haven't even been here that long ago and straight up indoctrinated me. I don't think this is what God wants for us. What he wants for us, according to the psalmist, is to taste and to see that the Lord is good. And to, to taste is about your awareness of God. It's as close to you as your breath. Jesus invites us into this. But how? But when? And Jesus talks about us becoming like a child to see. It's different, obviously, than being childish. Childish is the rejection of the good around you. It's the rolling of the eyes and the pumping out of the chest. Childlike is the ways in which you're open to the awe that's around us every single day in every single moment. To taste, to see. And it's more than just head knowledge. It's more than just uh, thinking something, thinking the right thing, or Jesus would have said, uh, Jesus would have said, blessed are those who are right. See, thinking about goodness is different than tasting different than seeing goodness. And that brings us to our series for the next few weeks. It's based on a simple book, Every Moment Holy. It's just a book. It's just a tool. It's glue. It's paper. All of that. But it's a tool that has really formed me and changed me in a lot of ways. Alongside so many other things. But it's a tool to learn to taste and see the goodness of God to everything. Just so, you're, just so you know, you know what, what am I talking about? If, if you haven't heard this book, it's essentially a book of prayers, pre-written prayers. This one guy put it together and said, hey, um, what about prayers for the, for the everything in life? And I'll, I'll read you some of these. Some of them sound more absurd than the others. And we're not really a tradition of liturgies as much, so it's, it's kind of unfamiliar. Uh, often we don't have pre-written prayers or anything like that. Uh, but they're prayers like this. Uh, Prayers for the preparation of a meal. Prayer for the washing of windows for home repairs for students and scholars. Prayer for medical providers, for first responders. Prayer for stargazing. Prayer for moving into a new home for a sick day before eating a meal alone. Prayer for those fearing failure. It, 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 it seeps into the everything. It, it talks about everything, and I, I really, really love this, but that's just a general, uh, that's a general summation of what this book even is. But here's the point. I, this is going to be kind of a, a bolder statement, but I truly believe that the most important principle of prayer is, in fact, imagination. I believe that the most important principle of worship is, in fact, imagination. I think that the most important principle of reading scripture is imagination. That the most important principle of how we live is imagination. Let's start with prayer. God, we are so thankful again for the Lord. 
We're so thankful to be able to be here together. We're thankful for, uh, for October, for uh, beautiful days. Uh, we're thankful just to be able to listen to you today. Uh, and uh, as feeble as I am, God, speak through my words. Speak through the things that I am saying. Uh, give us ears to hear. Give us uh, eyes to see. Let us eat your goodness today. Your Now, imagination. Okay, whenever I'm talking about this, I'm not just saying make things up or conjuring up that which isn't real. Uh, what I'm talking about is the capacity to think with images. It's not as crazy as you might think or as it might sound. In fact, it's how we think. When you picture the past, you're using your imagination. When you think about the future, you're using your imagination. If I ask you to stop and think for a second about your favorite meal, you're using your imagination. When we sing, Lord, we come before thee now, at thy feet we humbly bow, I hope we're using our imagination. Is that not built into the concept of worship? Uh, I hope that you're holding firm in your mind the image of approaching the throne of God and laying it down. God uses this. It's what makes the intangible so tangible. Sadly, in the West, I feel like we've lost a lot. We've seen it used wrongly, so sometimes we've rejected it outright. But Paul didn't feel that way. While we separate the concept of the, of the mind and the heart, Paul leaned into it. And we see in Romans 12 and uh, 2 Corinthians 3 and a host of other passages that he talks about, says, one of the main differences between non-believers and believers is what goes on in their minds. So why should we not lean into this? Why should we not find a tool that can help us with this? And alongside that, we know that when we spend time with God, we take on His character. When we see His joy, it becomes our joy. When we see His love, it becomes our love. And it's by His nature, what is by His nature becomes ours by grace. Can we not see why the enemy would love to shut this down, to lean us away from this? And we see some of the fruits of this. We might need a passage skip over it because it doesn't seem to matter. Maybe it's even a little dry, boring. We might pray to God and find it utterly similar to a monologue that fades into nothing. We might hear a song and meet it with, this is boring, this is repetitive. Some of the most beautiful hymns ever written are some of the most simple. Imagination when we meet God in his throne room. The angels don't seem to mind this repetition. 
does that mean? Well, if we're to believe the Bible, what to do, then we have to ask, how does God's claim over creation intersect with the moment that you're gardening? How does God's claim over creation intersect with the moment you change the diaper? Which really brings me to the point of the sermon, to the point of this book. God invites us into seeing and tasting his goodness in the world around us. But every moment has formative and deformative power. And that's exactly why we're called to see the holiness in that which surrounds us. These moments shape our habits towards that which aligns with the kingdom of God. One of the holiest moments of my life has been sitting around a campfire with my friends in silence. One of the holiest parts of my week is the simple pouring of coffee as I start my day. What we've done, and what we're challenging everyone to do, is to find some of these moments that are holy. In the back, there's a table, there are two tables actually, and in the foyer, right to your, uh, to your right when we leave, there's a table. We've printed out prayers from this book. Uh, there are just a few of them. A collection of moments to see God in a cup of coffee. To prevent the callousness of believing that the siren of an ambulance means nothing to us. Because we're not the ones involved. Prayers to give voice to loneliness and beauty to breakfast. Live like a child that gets a plank of wood and sees the possibility. I want you to take these home and find one that works for you. Multiple different ones out there. Buy the book if you like, but truly try them. Take these home. If you make a cup of coffee in the morning like me, there's a prayer for that. If it's someone who's lonely, there's a prayer. declare the glory of God. That's it. No, no, y'all stand. Before we sing this, hear this again. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. <laughs> 
There is no speech, nor are there words. 